Well, and, and, and my hope when I, you know, I suggested that we start talking about contracts is that it was, this would be a benefit to not only managers but elected officials uh, to be able to use this kind of as a, a checklist, I guess, of elements that, right. that should be considered in any kind of an agreement. listening to Manager Brothers Lessons Learned. Twice each month, Greg and Jay Goodchow draw on their combined 80 plus years of state and local government work experience to help listeners avoid the pitfalls they and others have unwittingly stumbled into. And now, on to the episode. Good morning. Uh, this is Jay Goodshow. Uh, we're bringing to you a Manager Brothers Lessons Learned. Uh, this is episode eight. We're going to be talking about uh, manager contracts. Greg, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, this is uh, this is Greg Goodshow, and uh, Jay and I are both suffering from colds, so you may, uh, if you're a regular listener, and we might not sound exactly the way that we, uh, we ordinarily sound. We're both a little bit stuffy here, but in our dedication to bringing you another episode of, uh, of Lessons Learned, we are going to, we are going to, uh, uh, work through this just like we're healthy. <laughs> well, and, and hopefully the, we won't inflict our uh, our electronics with our cold, which we've had a we have a little bit of a hiccup this morning already. So maybe, maybe uh, that's why they call them viruses. I suppose we I didn't know it was transmittable to electronics, but uh, uh, apparently who knows? so. Apparently, uh, maybe so, it's yeah. our maybe it's the uh, the human element uh, getting even with AI. Yeah, what? <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> We'll uh, we'll just see what we can do here. So yeah, yes. what Jay's referring to is we lost connection. So this is our uh, this is uh, our second take on doing this. We uh, we like to do this in one take uh, so that it all it has that vitality to it, which means that we never cover up any of our mistakes. You just get to hear them. Yeah. Oh, all right, it's not true. Yeah, vitality is a good word. I was thinking continuity, but <laughs> vitality might be better. But we'll. We'll, we'll go with that. Anybody that's listened to it has figured out that we have uh, hardly any continuity. Either. That's probably true. That's probably true. Uh, I think we gave that in our, our first episode disclaimer or something yeah, to that that's effect. Right. So. We, we, we probably shouldn't need to repeat it each and every time. I, I will yeah. say that we we edit out. I, I do the editing and I edit out the stuff that makes us sound... Uh, like we're complete idiots. Uh, so you, only, you, you can you can imagine if if you're regular if you're listening to this and we sound uh, halfway intelligent. Uh, imagine the stuff that we have left out that would have made us sound only a quarter of the way intelligent or something. Like that. <laughs> and those and those that know us probably know better. Than, no, that's exactly right. <laughs> so which it, which again you know why would anyone listen to us? You know, I mean, that's, it's true. That's the, uh, I, I think it's really an if listen. If we can make this work, anybody can make this work. I think that's the message. Yeah. So. Well, and as we we, we initially thought, uh, you know, we would we would talk about things on lessons learned, you know, what not to do. So if right. people want to look at us as a reflection of what not to do, that's that's perfectly fine. Yeah, so. that, that is exactly right. Every every a lot of the reasons that we look. Uh, even as as competent as we do is because we have just made a lot of mistakes and learned from them in the past. So that's yes. uh, that's what we're trying to pass on. That's what we're trying to learn from those mistakes. So yep. that's yes. All right. Well, so, let's start. Let's start talking yes. about.
about, and I know there's uh, you want to cover some preliminary issues even before we get to thinking about what that first contract might look like. Yes, I think it's I think it's necessary. We're 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 talking you know uh, probably four episodes or if not five to right. get through some of these uh, issues. So this first one we're going to be looking at some of the preliminary things that aren't really necessarily uh, contract elements, but are other elements that uh, managers need to consider and elected officials certainly need to to consider if they want to attract. Uh, uh, you know, candidates and retain you know quali- a qualified manager, and one of those is you know looking at what is the council's you know c- uh, configuration. Um, I had an uh, uh, an assignment that had a five member uh, city council, and, and the others have been seven uh, seven member councils. And certainly, looking reflecting back on on a five member, um, you only it only takes three members of council to be able to make decisions of, of all kinds, let alone um, whether to hire a manager or even to have a manager. And it's something that I think needs, that, that does uh, require some, some consideration here. Sure, absolutely. And I, you know, I, uh, one of the challenges with a small board, and really it's true of any board, is you can end up with the potential for a close split. Um, and maybe more likely in a five-member council than in a seven-member council. Um, you know, or, and I have mentioned, I think, before here that you know, early in my tenure, my first job, my first manager job, uh, I was hired on a four-to-three vote. Now, I attributed that to the fact that I was also that community's first manager. You know, unwisely thought that I could, you know, didn't have to worry about that. They'd see how wonderful I was, and and the the naysayers would you know, come on board. Well, that didn't happen. And in fact, uh, I made the second mistake of taking a job with a four to three vote right before an election. And so, you know, new council members came on and it was still a four to three vote. Um, and that's the, that's as good as it got for the entire two years that I was there. Um, and so that's, that's a consideration as well as not only it's the size of the council and the potential for even a single member to be, you know, uh, particularly disruptive, but how solid is the support for hiring that candidate at the time that they that they come on board? And I have known managers that have run into this kind of a situation where they're hired with slim majorities, and in some cases that majority, even that majority, disappears after the next election, and, and then you don't have a job anymore. Well, and I think that's that's uh, something that you know uh, I certainly didn't even think to ask the question, but often, most times, uh, if not every time, uh, the vote was taken when I wasn't present in the room. I, you know, mm-hmm. there were other candidates that were interviewed afterwards or something like that. So, you know, managers maybe need to ask the question, what what was the vote yeah. to hire me, you know, before well, I, I make this decision? Yeah, they certainly should ask that. And I think uh, that's a legitimate question to ask. If you're in a situation where uh, a search consultant is managing that mm-hmm. process, it is a legitimate question to say, what was the vote? And even if the vote is unanimous, to say, how strong is that unanimity? Did they just come along here to say that, 
you know, they had 100% uh, or uh, because that's something I certainly encourage when I've worked as an interim manager as councils struggle between two top, uh, two top candidates is you want to be able to convey, uh, whether it's the search consultant or the interim manager, convey a, a realistic sense to the candidate. How, you know, how, what am I facing here? How, how strong a fit is that? I mean, I, and it's a little hard to judge. Uh, but I have had that conversation with managers that, you know, are coming in in a situation where I've sort of served as an interim manager. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, managers definitely want to ask that question. Don't be so, you know, don't be so thankful that somebody has decided to, <laughs> decided to hire you that you over, uh, you know, you're willing to, to uh, overlook any potential warning signs that are out there. Well, and I think that uh, you, it, it's it's safe to ask those kinds of questions because you know even if it is a, a unanimous vote to hire you, I don't think that it's uh, it, there's any harm in asking those those questions. I mean, yeah. even if even if it is a, a split vote and they have to you know provide some rationale or some assurances or something like that, I think it's I think it's all. Uh, you know, well worth asking those the question. Yeah, one of the one of the things that you're looking for in that situation is, am I a good fit here? Is this a good fit between me and the council? Think of it kind of like a marriage. You right. know, are we compatible? Um, and a part of that is to go in with eyes wide open and say. You know, are there some, you know, are there some potential um, warning signs out there that I ought to be aware of? But am I going to, is this, is this going to be a good fit with this organization? Am I a good fit with the staff members that I'm inheriting here? Is this a good fit with me in this community? All of those things, I think, are things that you want to be realistically answering for yourself um, before you decide that, okay, I'm, I'm willing to, to take this to the next step, which is to sit down and negotiate that first contract. Yeah, and, and I, I think, you know, it's safe to jump in here for just a minute. Uh, probably our, uh, the next episode we'll be talking, we're going to jump to the, with the end in mind, you know, looking at, at a termination or a separation. Right. Uh, some, of these, some of these things factor into what are the terms that you want to have in an agreement for your separation. So, you know, I'm, I'm mentioning that now because we're going to try, we'll, we'll, we'll visit that at the, the next episode. Right, so, right. You know, kind of a corollary to this, you know, asking this question about, you know, what the vote was, I think is a safe question to look at uh, the, uh, a charter or um, ordinances or any other documents a municipality might have uh, that provide for not just hiring a manager, but what it, but what it takes to, uh, to replace that manager. Are, are there written documents that, that protect that? And is it, is it just a simple majority or is it a super majority? And that, that can make all of the uh, difference in the world too, as far as, as far as the comfort level for the incoming manager. Absolutely. And I, I think that there are lots of variations, uh, whether it's in local charter, some cases you have to, uh, have to factor in state statute, um, in, uh, you know, there might be ordinances. All of those things are useful to kind of characterize the community. One of the things that will crop up that a manager might not think to look for is who actually does the appointment. You know, we think of this as there's a vote of the council. But in some instances, the, the real decision is being made by, the actual appointment is made by the mayor. 
Uh, and right. then, and uh, so there are some communities that have kind of a strong mayor characteristic to them, uh, even if it's not truly a strong mayor form. But those are things that, you know, you want to be aware of that, you know, if it's really comes down to the fact that it's a decision of one person um, and not necessarily a decision of the, of the entirety of the council, that's a whole other perspective that um, is useful to keep in mind to make sure that you're comfortable in working in that kind of position and that there's not right from the very beginning some potential that's out there where if you say the wrong thing to the mayor uh, that you know you're you know you've undermined your credibility with the key individual that ultimately makes the determination as to you know whether your contract gets renewed or not well, I think the other way to look at this, too, is, you know, if, if it is one of those situations with a strong mayor making the appointment and the mayor has, a, because it's political, obviously, has a falling out with a majority of the rest of the council, right. then all of a sudden, you know, the mayor might, be, might find themselves on the hot seat, but then you as the manager might find yourself on the same hot seat only because they might view you as being a pawn of the mayor, I guess, for lack correct. of a better term. Yeah. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, those are, those are some, some serious things to consider for sure. Right. And, I, yeah, and I think what that really means is do your homework. Make exactly. sure that, you know, nowadays, you know, typically charters are going to be online. The ordinances are online. That's not true everywhere, even today. Um, and so it doesn't hurt to ask and make sure that you've gotten copies of the, you know, the entirety of the charter. Uh, the entirety of the administration section of the ordinances, uh, those kinds of things are going to be very valuable as you're starting down this path of thinking about, do I want to take this job and how, what, what's the con- what are going to be the contents of the contract once I've decided that I want to do that? Yeah, so the, the, the element that, that we're talking about, you know, with a charter or an ordinance, um, it might be like with a, with a, a five-member uh, council might say it takes four uh, a vote of four members to change managers, or if it's a seven-member council, it takes five uh, five uh, members to vote to change that. Um, uh, so that's 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 what we're talking about, and this is just in general. Um, you brought up a point already, you know, with being appointed just before an election. Mm-hmm. Um, there maybe there's provisions in there for a, a moratorium on decisions uh, to replace a manager for a period of, of say six months uh, following an election. And those are that's a, that's a different. I think it's a different way element that we need to look at as well. Right, and often and oftentimes that's language that might require a supermajority within 90 days or 120 days or 180 days following an election or whatever it might be. If that language is not there in uh, in the charter, uh, then it's language that a manager might wish to think about um, at the time that they're entering into a contract. And I think that gets us, again, into the next episode. We're going to look at, at contract termination. But I think that that's something that, you know, again, what what is, you know, what is the protection that a manager has, uh, you know, following that next election. Right. And, and I think a lot of folks or a lot of listeners are thinking, well, you know, managers are at will employees. 
so what does that really what does that really mean mm-hmm. um you know and and so what we're talking about are you know other assurances of, to provide some co- level of comfort to an incoming manager on on uh, you know what the conditions are for them not just being hired but also for you know what conditions might exist for them uh, being dismissed right and the other side of that is that it is not just a, it's not only a protection for the manager it's a protection for the community as well right so that one of the and I if I haven't mentioned it here before uh, I am surprised because I oftentimes will bring up the idea that a part of what we try to achieve in local government is stability you know the the structure manage govern you know the council manager form um, but the t- entirety of the democratic process is entire is intended to um, provide a level of stability in the operations of government. And so when you think about having a provision that limits the um, ability of a new council to change horses in the middle of the stream, that is a part of guaranteeing stability. So yes, it is a protection for the manager and gives a little bit of a sense that, you know, they don't have to worry that, you know, that, you know, five days after the election, they're suddenly out looking for a new job. Beyond that, it also assures the community that there is an opportunity for the new council to get seated, learn their roles, learn how the system works before they go off half-cocked on some, you know, some issue um, and decide that they have to clean house and, and all the rest of it. And I think election, every election Uh, carries with it it the potential for disruption, but building in systems that provide protection on both sides, and that's what you're really talking about here, I think is useful for a community is going through the transitions of managers and elections and those kinds of things. Well, I think that stability you, you can't you can't uh, underemphasize the the necessity for stability because it's not it's not just the impact that it has on the council and, and the manager. It's the impact, as you said, on the community, but also the ability of the community to be able to recruit, uh, hire, and retain other employees. You know, the, the, uh, I don't think there's any communities out there that that have just one <laughs> one hired person that right. runs the whole show. You right. know, you have you know Department of Public Works and a host of other departments. Uh, you need to be able to, and, it's, and again, there's a there's a shortage of candidates in a lot of a lot of communities right now for ex- especially experienced uh, candidates in in other positions within the municipality. So if if there's a a sense that there's disruption going on uh, at the manager level, not not because of the manager necessarily, but just because they haven't been able to retain uh, managers or there's there's conflict that exists. It, it's certainly going to impact on the ability to hire uh, other you know other uh, whether they're appointed or regular employees of in that in that municipality. return to Manager Brothers Lessons Learned in a moment. Do you have a topic you would like Greg and Jay to explore? Are you interested in being a guest on Lessons Learned? Do you have comments about this episode? You can write Greg and Jay using the contact form at gregllc.com lessons. That's g-r-e-g-g-l-l-c.com lessons. 
think this is a good point, uh, Jay, to shift gears here a little bit and start then talking about that first yep. contract. You know, even preliminary to this is, is do, do all managers have contracts or do all managers want contracts or need contracts? I guess that's the, the, the whole thing. You know, you, you, I, 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 and I'm probably as guilty of this as anyone, you, especially going into the first assignment, you're rather naive. You know, as you say, uh, I think you said earlier, you know, you, you hope that the that the community or the council is going to see what benefit there is to having hired you, and uh, things will go along smoothly. So that's well, and, yeah, and, and the thing to point out about that, Jay, is that up until my last appointment, uh, uh, the last community that I served on a full time basis, all the rest of them that I worked in, I started before manager contracts were legal in Michigan. Yeah. And so I would have a letter of appointment uh, that was a few paragraphs, and that's as much as you had. You did not have the protections that uh, are now afforded to managers by having contracts that can incorporate things like severance pay and those kinds of things. I mean, I was terminated from a community where I had no contract. Um, they'd come along in the meantime, but I'd never, you know, I had a good relationship with the council and things had gone along uh, very smoothly for me. I'd been there a long time, uh, 17 years. Well, all of a sudden, you know, I'm not, I'm not employed anymore and I didn't have a contract. Now, they treated me very well. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about separation agreements the next time we get together and talk. But, you know, going into the, the job after that, well, that was my first chance to have a, you know, to have a contract. And I did have a contract. Now, I think it's far more commonplace. But again, for uh, we're relating to a Michigan experience, I don't know what the situation is in other states. My impression is that it's commonplace across the United States. But it might not be. Um, and this gets into another related issue, which is that there may be limitations within local charters and ordinances as to the duration of any contract that they can enter into. In some cases, there are provisions that say that you can't have a contract for more than, say, uh, five years or something along those lines. And so that's important information to have when you're beginning to look at a contract as to once you cross the threshold of discovering, oh, yes, I am able to have a contract, what are the legal limitations, if any, that pertain to what the provisions of that contract should say? And this, I think, is a good point, uh, Jay, to emphasize that neither you nor I is an attorney. Um, and so anything we're saying here should not be interpreted as legal advice. Um, we're giving manager type advice here based on our own experiences. But uh, we certainly would recommend that an individual uh, seek out the services of a personal attorney uh, who has experience with labor law, preferably to look at um, whatever contract proposals are out there. And most municipalities are going to expect that while they have their city attorney that will look at it, uh, that the candidate will have a representative, a legal representative as well, that's going to sit down and, and take a look at the, the terms and conditions and the provisions of the contract and so forth. Now, not all managers do. Uh, they take it on their own to, to do that. And I will confess that I did not. With the one contract that I did have, um, I felt comfortable enough being that long in my career that I knew what the provisions are and when I felt I was being treated 
um, well by the city attorney uh, with those provisions. So I, did, I didn't feel a need for it, um, but uh, that's something that I think that managers are well served, and I have recommended other managers that they consider you know, paying a couple of bucks to have, uh, have legal counsel take a look at the contract before they uh, decide to enter into it. And oftentimes it's useful if you're in a negotiating session with a city council or with the mayor, whoever it is that's uh, the mayor and the city attorney, uh, that you have a representative at the table who is able at that time to um, say, you know, this is not acceptable, here's some alternative language, and to be the person that is, can kind of be the bad guy uh, or uh, woman in those negotiations so that it's not the manager uh, that is taking the blame for having negotiated a tough contract as it relates to language that might uh, pertain to termination clauses or something like that. Put the, put the burden on the attorney to be the, you know, to take the, uh, you know, to take the responsibility and, and to, you know, the ire of the mayor rather than the manager, uh, him or herself. To this point, we really have been kind of setting the ground, for setting the stage for uh, having a contract, and I think that uh, our recommendation, and again, it's not legal advice, but our recommendation is that you really want to have one. I think that the days of relying on just a letter of agreement uh, or nothing at all and say, I'm just going to fall under the provisions of the personnel policy, the municipality, uh, those days are gone for managers. And I think that any municipality that thinks that they're going to be able to hire a manager without also going through a contract negotiation process is probably a place you don't want to work. Um, and so we, I, I think from this point forward, we're going to assume that, uh, that the managers decided that uh, he or she is going to enter into a contract with the municipality, and the municipality has decided that they are going to, to um, uh, play their part in those negotiations as well. As we indicated uh, a little earlier, the next step then for us in terms of conversation is to jump all the way to the end and look at the termination of the contract. What are the circumstances under which that happens? So the next episode um, is, uh, is we'll deal with some of those end of contract terms because I think those are maybe the among the most important provisions that uh, managers need to have in mind and it's one of the places where you can run into the most pit uh, the greatest number of pitfalls if you're not really thinking ahead to what does this look like at uh, when we wrap this up and i think we can set the stage for positive conversations about how how a contract comes to an end if it needs to yeah well and and, and my hope when i you know i suggested that we start talking about contracts is that it was this would be a benefit to not only managers but elected officials uh, to be able to use this kind of as a, a checklist I guess of elements that right. that should be considered in any kind of an agreement all right well Jay, so, right. today we have a sponsor for t uh, for this episode and it is the uh, brand new sponsor for us wise acre solutions uh, and they are the makers of the it's all Greek to me language learning app uh, Jay, I know you took Spanish in high school, if I remember correctly. Yes. And yes. I took C. French. I said? <laughs> I said C. <laughs> that's, that's about all I remember. <laughs> so. Well, you know, that's, that's handy, and I think most people uh, have at least a familiarity with a couple of languages and common expressions like that, but... 
This is the It's All Greek to Me language learning app. You know, there are other well-known language programs on the market, but they were produced for tourists, diplomats, and exchange students. It's All Greek to Me was designed specifically for Americans who don't want to look stupid when they encounter foreign loan words and expressions. Now, picture this. You're visiting Greek town, you begin to feel a little bit hungry, you stop into a bakery and you, and you see in the case there a tasty confection. Suddenly, you realize you can't remember if it's baklava, balaklava, or balalaika. And you're forced, to, you're forced to stand there pointing at the display, display case like a five-year-old. How embarrassing. <laughs> Or, and I hope that's never happened to you, Jay. Only, only in restaurants, I, I point at the pictures of the food that I really like the looks of. Well, then you are <laughs> a perfect candidate for one of these programs. Here, now, here's another circumstance. Maybe your local book club has decided to work its way through Homer's Iliad and Odyssey. You're comfortable with the names Achilles and Hector, but what about Odysseus, Telemachus, or Agamemnon, or one of the other hundred names that appear in those books. You just sit there praying that no one asks you to read a passage because you're not convinced you can pronounce them correctly. This is where It's All Greek to Me can be invaluable. This app simply assists you in gaining familiarity with common words and phrases you're most likely to encounter as you go through your daily life, visiting restaurants, reading books, having general conversations. And here's the best part. Greek is not the only option available from Wiseacre Solutions. For aspiring attorneys, all roads to lead to Rome, covers common Latin phrases used in legal documents. All the romance languages are available, too, so you can avoid the faux pas of mispronouncing foie gras. How about Indian for the next time you have a craving for something more than curry? Each language app is available for lifetime use for the low price of $10. However, as an introductory offer, It's All Greek to Me can be purchased for just $5. So, stop looking foolish in public. Instead, turn to Wise Acre Solutions for problems you didn't know you had. All right. All right. Well, enough of that. Um, yeah. I think that, well, we did this at the beginning of the episode that, you know, the recording that we had to, uh, that didn't work out. So, Happy New Year, Jay. <laughs> Same as well as, as well to you. I don't know if we ever did wish people, a, a, you know, Merry Christmas, but uh, that's behind us at this point. And uh, uh, the year just, you know, night, uh, 2023 is just zipped by. And I, 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 as I said before, I blame this on my children because it seems like time has gone uh, twice as fast after having had children. No question about it. No question yeah. about it. Well, it'll be... You know, time is going to go by fast again, another two weeks, and we will back be back with another episode uh, dealing with manager contracts and looking at the termination of contracts. So yes. tune in again for us then. Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the show. Manager Brothers Lessons Learned is a production of Greg Guidance, LLC, a multi-specialty consulting firm offering interim management, group process facilitation, workflow analysis, operational studies, and more to local governments in Michigan and beyond.